Welcome to the midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Glad to have you with us on the podcast this week. Jennifer Bartlett. Hi, guys. Yeah, she's laughing. <laughs> Classic. Yep. Starting off well. I like that Like you guys make me laugh, and it's like, oh, of course, Jen's laughing again. That's <laughs> yep. why. How you else make we it, And then there's yeah. Rob. I mean, Rob's here. Like big brothers. And Logan Daly <laughs> coming at you with the footnoty goodness. Thanks mm. for that email, Mama Bartlett. Oh, uh, yes. Mom. We appreciated that. Uh-huh. <laughs> It was like quite the I, that was that was an extensive claim. that was that was good that was a lot of polling a lot of good data there a lot of good data there and then the story about it as well with my soul the whole story behind that which uh, which I was aware Boom. of but I just but who doesn't love that it is a great story to share and wait did my mo- did I send that part to you too I thought I cut that out oh. I don't know. I, I, you didn't read it because you don't read text messages. The text message? I just read the email. Wait, she sent that in an email? To info at missionridge.church. Oh. Absolutely. <gasps> yeah, we got a big old email. Did we not tell you we got an you email? You told me that you guys got an email. Oh, yeah, no, we got an email. Yeah. It was a big old email. <laughs> I appreciated every bit of it. It was delightful. I'm sure you did. It was an abje- abject <laughs> delight. Uh... All right, let's so talk. Much goodness. Let's talk so much goodness. Let's talk uh, shortcomings, which this week <clears throat> isn't quite a shortcoming. Mm. It's mm-hmm. like a shortcoming dodge. It's like a duck and weave. So without fail, uh, as I knew was going to happen, I was inundated with text messages from my parents <clears throat> after that Sunday afternoon when they were they were viewing the service. Watching the watching the instant replay, as they are wont to do, and uh, I, I don't think they listen to footnotes, so I can say all sorts of you know <laughs> make fun of them all I want. Uh, I expected my dad to come at it with you know some some theologically, and and he did give me some math. Um, turns out when you do the math, I, I can't remember if this was first or second service where I was talking about the where you have the two. I had the two pictures of the inheritance split. Was that mm-hmm. second service where I was talking about this? And I was like, and it should have been, I thought it was going to mm-hmm. be half, but it, when you do the math, it's actually five-ninths of the original estate ends up with the uh, with Ted, the Yehu, the, the second born, uh, if, if they give him another portion. Considering your dad wasn't uh, listening to the first service. Oh, you're right. But well, but but I wasn't okay. But I wasn't sure if he was just like because he was he was making another point. I wasn't sure whether I had said that specifically, or or if he was just and it just just solved the math problem because he wasn't setting out to specifically. uh, He was saying like, so the second son get like he gets the portion again. Like we were and we so we started looking at the fractiony weirdness. So yeah, the second born actually if they if they divide the state again. If they divide the estate, then the second born, who I named Ted, actually gets five ninths of the original estate. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you know, it's like this because, but whatever. Uh, so me and me and my dad are talking. He he's using math, uh, and of course, you know, one third t- 
times uh, using God math, one third, one third to, or one third times infinity equals infinity. So everybody wins. Um, everybody all gets infinity because God's goodness is never ending, right? Uh, yeah, sure, but it doesn't quite work that way in the real world, like with estates and stuff. So, nonetheless, uh, but my mom, my mom, she was the real problem child. Those <laughs> sneaky archaeologists. Is that what your mom does? She's well. She got her degree in archaeology oh, okay. uh, slash anthropology or something like that. Uh, it's it's archaeology because we always make the joke that she needs that degree to get through the papers on her desk because <laughs> you have to have an archaeology degree to find anything on to the dig desk. Through it to, exactly. Okay. Uh, Let the dig begin. Yeah, it's not. That's that's an appropriate joke. Like it's an appropriate. It's not even a joke. It's just appropriate. Um, but she's also into the anthropology and stuff. Uh, very, you know, she's like one of those people that gets the National Geographic magazines and reads them, <clears throat> like for enjoyment. Like they're fascinating. But uh, she uh, came back with um, there wasn't any corn in. Corn was in the Americas. Corn did not make it over there until at least 1492 <laughs> or, four, you know, the 1500s uh, would have made it back into Europe slash the Middle East. Corn uh, would not have existed over there. Corn as we think of it. When I say corn, Jen, what do you think of? Corn on the cob. Corn on the cob. American corn maize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, which is probably what all of us in the room were thinking of. That's what I I was thinking: burnt corn kernels mm-hmm. uh, in the jar. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, that's just what I, I assumed, and we were getting that. I, I got that from Marty Sol- a sermon of Marty Solomon's, uh, and he was quoting out of uh, the book Prodigal God, I think is the name of the the, the book by Kenneth Branagh or Kenneth Bailey. Uh, I think it's po- Prodigal God, or, or yeah, I think it's Prodigal God. Um, and so it, the, this, that, that's the reference there. And then my mom comes out of left field with this, like, yeah, but corn didn't exist. So mic drop. What a oh, crap. What did I, what have I done? Uh, However. so w- fell down a rabbit hole. And then today Rob comes to the rescue. So according to Webster, uh, the third definition of corn is the grain of cereal grass that is the primary crop of a region such as wheat in Britain and oats in Scotland and Ireland. So it's just the predominant cereal grain cereal of the crop region. of the region. Interesting. So, and that seems to be what it is, how it is being used. Um, in the King King James uses corn. I don't think any of the other translations that I looked at um, used corn for stuff, but King James does use corn a couple of times for things. Uh, and I, I imagine that that's what... Yeah, and so maize, you know, Catherine is correct. Maize was not part of... No, uh, no it was not. And... <laughs> You know, that's an interesting question. So they, I mean... In fact, it might not have even existed by that point because uh, it was selectively bred by people in the Americas. 
which was fascinating. Well, and I read wow. that it's 10,000 years old, so it, it existed probably in some form. Um, but yeah, that that is fascinating. Hmm. Uh, what we know about what happened 5,000, 2,000, 10,000, you know, what we know about those kinds of things through research is, is amazing to me. I have a hard time remembering what I did last week. Amen. <laughs> so that always fascinates me and the, and the science that goes into that. And I think it's important to ask those kinds of questions of, well, wait a minute. We can't carbon date what you did last week. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so... Earlier in your lifetime, we can carbon date that stuff, but... Oh, Ancient of Days. <laughs> oh, there it is. It's been a minute. Oh... <laughs> uh. <laughs> Absolutely. I so, tried to show self-control. I, I lacked it. I lacked self-control. That is A-OK. <laughs> I mean, the Bible doesn't say it is, but... Well, you know. <laughs> God has patience. <laughs> he does. Oh, patience so, for a sinful wretch like me. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so it was almost a shortcoming, but not quite a shortcoming. Kind of a shortcoming. Just a point that needed clarification. There we go. And now we all know something. We all know that corn might not be corn. The corn is a lie. Corn on the cob was not a thing. Not a thing for Jesus. Which is too bad because it's delicious. I, there you go. It's mm. <clears throat> missing out. He is missing out. They just had they, it was, so it's probably wheat. Uh, there's a uh, barley. And, Maybe I, I I'm not sure the Middle Eastern right. uh, crops of that time, but or Egyptian crops or mm-hmm. or anything like that. But yeah, corn. Fun fact in in my research, corn actually would be difficult to grow in Egypt. It would be very easy for corn to flood and rot because of the pattern of the Nile flooding season. Because the Nile floods and creates all of that, and so. Mm-hmm. Uh, the crops there are actually kind of specific, it seems, of what they can grow there because of that. That makes sense. Uh, so there you go. The more you know. All right. Well, uh, we didn't really talk about the order of operations for what we were going to talk about today, so I'm just going to take a stab, and uh, I feel like... Maybe the first thing that might be the best thing to talk about is the breaking of bread. Mm. Let's yeah. start at the top of the parable using top of Luke 15, and we'll work our way through and see where we get. Uh, so breaking bread, we talk, I, I mentioned that breaking bread, uh, sitting down to eat, puts you in right relationship. And that's why the Pharisees are, are, are a little agitated with Jesus being okay with these hooligans. Yeah, and that that is... Uh something that is significant to the um, to the Middle Eastern culture is not limited to uh, to the Jews but yeah. it would it would include really any of the descendants of, of Abraham and uh, I I heard a story a number of years back where this this family uh, this Arab family in in Israel, uh, their son 
died tragically in in an accident. Uh, he was a pedestrian and and he got hit, struck by a car, and the driver of the car was was Jewish. So he had a Palestinian and he and he had a Jewish young man involved in this altercation, and and the Palestinian lost his life. The family, the Palestinian family, invited the Jewish young man over mm. for dinner. Mm-hmm. And he was adopted into the family. And so once a year, around that anniversary, he would return for dinner. Mm. And that dinner was was this symbolic gesture of, of there's peace between us. Mm. That's really beautiful. And so... That is the hearers of that story, or or you know, or the the Pharisees coming to Jesus, like you have you have peace, you are at peace with these folks. Got no beef, or lamb, or lamb for that matter. (laughs) Our jokes are great. (laughs) <laughs> there's something. There's something. They're oh, they're great. They grate on your nerves. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> it was something. <laughs> All right. So breaking bread, very important. Has just just to kind of understand the depth of. It's got more significance for their culture, and, and so that that sets up this why they're. It clarifies why they're grumbling. I said why they're looking down their nose. Uh, they might, I, and you pointed out, Rob. They they might not necessarily have been. Uh, you know, it, it could have just been questioning of what are you doing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean the implication, or when I hear looking down nose, like uh, you, this uh, idea that uh, I think I'm greater than than you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm better than, um, and it could just be our just out of a real concern. Like, do you know what kind of lifestyle these people are living? Mm-hmm. And you know the um, oh, meaning looking down their nose at Jesus, right? Either sure. looking down their nose at Jesus or looking down their nose at the people of. Either way, it could just yeah. be a this. For some, it could just be this desperate concern of you are. You're you're destroying yourself, and mm-hmm. you're bringing harm on yourself, and you're bringing harm on the rest of us. Yeah. And so, you know, two thousand years later, it's it's hard to know the mix of of responses. Sure, it's one sentence in the yeah in the text. We gotta and I feel expand upon that, expound upon that, and and it's pretty easy for us to to talk about to talk about Pharisees in, in a negative light. Oh, yeah, that's our that's our natural inclination, at least mm-hmm. mine from growing up in the church. Sure. Right. Oh, the dumb Pharisees at it again. And yet out of the from a religious position, we are the most the Pharisees are the most like us and we're the most like the like out of the Bible characters or or when you think th- theologically, we are more like the Pharisees than any other group within 
um, the biblical narrative, the New Testament narrative. Yeah, the only other close second would be, well, the close second, the only other one competing for first might be Herodians for some of us. Yeah. I'd be, need a little bit of Rome and a little bit of, yeah, I'll have a little bit of God and a little bit of Rome and a little bit of God and a little bit of Rome and maybe a little mm-hmm. more Rome and maybe one more dose of Rome. Just and for funsies. And then I think we have some zealots, too, within oh. the Christian community. But the zealots and the Pharisees are, you know, one of them is just violent. <laughs> <laughs> some of us are a little more uppity than others. You know, that's fine. Yeah. I don't identify with the zealots. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, One is just armed better than the other. Exactly. (laughs) exactly. I don't know who that is. (laughs) Yikes. Which really kind of the zealots are, they're they're just using Rome's tools, right? So they're almost like the Herodian Pharisee, kind of, maybe. I think, think, yeah, I, I think that works. You're, you're having a little bit of Rome. It's just which part of Rome you're choosing to take mm-hmm. to mix with your religious religiosity. So you're going to be religiously pious, but you're also going to be like, war. Here's my sword. This is how victory happens. Mm, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> smells like victory. Yeah. If I had never been to your house before, I would assume you live somewhere off the grid <laughs> in some weird bunker with guns everywhere. And fish. <laughs> and fish. It's guns and aquariums. Yep. <laughs> guns in aquariums. We just don't know. No, definitely not. <laughs> terrible. Guns behind aquariums. There we go. Anyway. All right. We've derailed. <laughs> what are we talking about? I don't remember. Uh... Let's uh, let's go down the parable here, uh, the singular parable. As I made point to mention, we've got a parable in three parts, and I did promise we would talk about the other two parts. So I guess we should talk about them. So, so let's talk about the singular parable first okay. of all, because in the in the curriculum, I. I refer to, like, I say these parables, mm. and I and I, I knew there was a possibility that you would refer to these as a refer to this as a singular <laughs> parable. Classic, and um, <laughs> and so in one sense, like each parable, these parables can stand alone, but. In the text, it says Jesus spoke a parable, and then there's three. Th- Things that in succession that he that he says, and the the first two elements of the parable we'll talk about that way. um, The Pharisees are going to be like, "Yep, you would do that." Yeah, they're going to agree. They're going to they're going to love these first two. They're going to get along with them just fine, no problems. Uh, So Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. 
Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And so a couple of things in this one that we can flesh out. Um, one, who loses their sheep? A terrible shepherd. <clears throat> but hypothetically, if you did, because uh, the sheep, they, they follow the sound of your voice, mm-hmm. right? Um, so a lot of times when we when we think of this parable, we're like, okay, so you got you imagine one shepherd mm-hmm. with a hundred sheep, right. which is not something that would ever happen. Like you you never like I'm thinking of all the sheep herders I have ever seen. They're always out there in at least a pair of them and a couple dogs watching the sheep because sheep you know unruly American sheep they don't follow the sound of your voice. Uh, but apparently these magical Middle, Middle Eastern sheep do. Uh, someday I will see this, where they have two flocks of sheep, and then you know the one shepherd's like, all right, bah-ram you, or whatever, and then they all start following him. Hmm. Uh, like the Pied Piper of shepherds. Yeah, right? Like <laughs> Apparently that's a thing. I, I, I will believe it completely when I see it, but until then, I'll trust it. Uh, so we a lot of times we think of this and, oh, we're going to leave the 99 just on their own? No, no, no. There's there's other shepherds. It's not like he's leaving them unsafely. They're taken care of. Mm-hmm. They're not the ones that need looking for. Apparently, you've got this one wayward that's gone and wandered off. And and yes, you would celebrate that because that's a. I mean, that's a. It's a big investment. Like you don't want to lose your your sheep. That's your livelihood. Uh, that's sustenance. That's whatever. Um, so just just a little clarification there, a little con- little context for those of us that are not familiar with the sheeps. The goats might run all over the the place like crazy people, but uh, the sheep would hmm. normally apparently follow a little easier. Uh, so and of course you go chasing off to go find them like that. Uh, that very logical, right? I don't I don't think any Pharisee would have any problem with that parable. Yeah, and and like you said, this is a this is part of the well sheep sheep are a big part of the the economy of that time. Mm-hmm. Uh it it's also part of your your worship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need for the sacrificial system. Yeah, there's so there's a there's a connection to to worship there. Mhm. There's that line, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. This is finding something that was lost. Uh, So, then the next part, Jesus continues and says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Uh, so the, this this one, I, I've always found this parable a little funny, because in my mind, uh, you've got ten silver coins, and you, you lose one, and then you, you go cray-cray mm-hmm. looking for it, and then you call everyone over after you've found it, and you throw a party... With that silver coin, I, I'm thinking. Did you did you just spend that silver coin that you had to look for? And I, I just always found that ironic. That's just how I read it. 
mm-hmm. all these years. I, I don't know if that's maybe maybe that's not maybe a silver coin's a lot. I, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe you used a, a quarter of a silver coin to to party. I, I don't know. But the point here is that Jesus there there's this this celebration of finding something that is lost. Right. Uh, which is uh, which is setting us up for this this the big takeaway from that parable that I said that the big point main point Jesus is making is that God loves to find lost things, uh, and the, you know it's it spells it out. I think this is NIV. Yeah, NIV. You know, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Uh, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Like, it, God loves to see people, the lost, repenting mm-hmm. uh, and coming back to him and finding, this is God finding a lost thing, and that is something that God apparently really, really, really enjoys. Mm-hmm. Which then leads us to needing to we need to celebrate this. Yeah, and I, I've actually seen people do that where they they lost money and they found it, and so now they, they they consider, like I didn't have it, so I am going to, I'm going to spend it. Sure. On this, right. you know, Just logically in my brain doesn't make any sense. <laughs> now, now that's different if I didn't know I lost it. Like you find that extra twenty dollars that you just forgotten about uh-huh. in your pocket. Like you go to the winter coat and all of a sudden there's like a twenty dollar bill in it or something. Ha <laughs> You bet your you bet your britches I'm buying myself something nice. I, I don't know if you can get something nice for twenty dollars like anymore, but you know, I'm gonna think about doing it. Yeah. I don't know. Get a half a box of ammunition or something. Maybe a beta fish. Yeah. I was <laughs> So back to the uh, the ninety nine sheep. Uh. Uh, Abraham was ninety nine years old when he was circumcised. Oh, and uh, the scriptures actually highlight that, like it says it a couple times. Like it's almost like it's that might be a remez. Might be a remez. Might be. Might be important. Hmm. Huh. I like that. Yeah, Genesis 17.1 and Genesis 17.24. So it's almost like God's making a big deal how old he was, and then Jesus decides be, on a number. Might be throwing that out there. Might be connecting this back to the covenantal relationship hmm. with God. Sure. And then the nine and I was thinking ten is ten is community, right? I think ten is community. I believe so. Yeah. Uh, and so the the nine nine to ten, ninety nine to a hundred, it's mm-hmm. the 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 completion of community. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. The something that was lost being the community is being made whole mm-hmm. by the return of this. Uh, that's what I kind of guessed was going on there, but I, I like this ninety nine possible remez because if you remember from our parable series we're supposed to look for what jen remezes yeah drosh oh yeah 
the other thing. The other thing, well, that's if God hits you over the head with it. Right. That's the sewed. Sewed. Yeah. Isn't there a P1 or a shot? It's the surface level. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, and I, we didn't really, I didn't really spend a lot of time looking for Remezes here with this, although we're going to talk about some. So, there are some for sure in The Lost Sun. Mm-hmm. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Man, that was so good. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, Wayne and Garth. I was like, that's not the right one. That's that that's the next that's the next go round. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Wayne and Garth. <laughs> uh all right, cool. So those, those are those are our first two parts of the parable. Uh and then, then we continue on into the prodigal son. The the son that goes off the rails. Um now, starting at the beginning of that uh, thing we can talk about, we can jabber for a little bit here, is the uh, Wish You Were Dead, mm. uh, which is the death metal version of Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. Anyway, that popped into my head because Rob had that playing earlier today. <laughs> I would not have gotten Wish You Were Here out of... <laughs> I wish you were dead. <laughs> no, out of what you just—that was the—that's the guitar line. When you do it on is guitar, is this another moment where when you do it on guitar? <laughs> I hear it. When you do it, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and put the guitar underneath that. I hit those pitches. That was that was right on. <laughs> I guarantee it. Oh man! All right. Wish you were here. Wish you were dead. Wish some. <laughs> wish something. <laughs> wish we had a sense of pitch. I don't know. Maybe. Wish you could hear. Ah, yikes. So my LTG reading last week. Oh. In Was Isaiah that, uh, chapter I, thirty? Oh yeah, chapter thirty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, verse eleven. The uh, the people of Israel say, "Get." Get out of the way, turn aside from the path. Let us hear no more about the Holy One of Israel. And, that, and that's that's how the NAS reads, but I had been reading it in the New Jerusalem Version, which actually follows the Hebrew a little better. And it says, And cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. And Isaiah is saying that the people of Israel are wishing that God was dead. Oof. Not great, Israel. Not great. That's a bold move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a bold move. And so when the son comes to the father and says, give me my inheritance. Saying, I wish you were dead. Mm-hmm. You might as well be dead in my eyes. So yeah. So when you when you were when you were preaching on Sunday, that that verse popped in mind because I'd I'd read it mm-hmm. all week long. Oh, is that how LTG works? You read that all week long? Huh. Fantastic. Who would have known? Who would have known? Somebody in this room might be getting poked fun of. It's me. I'm getting poked I fun of. I wasn't going to say who. It could have been me. We don't know. We didn't know. Now we know. It's Jen. It's Jen. I'm not the best. 
it's I fine. can own it at least. You know, <laughs> something I can't about... say that this week's any better either. So. <laughs> no, not again. <laughs> at least I know where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. I don't. I didn't read it all week long, but uh, <laughs> I was just poking at you. Oh, man. <laughs> now we got confessions coming out. What are we, Catholic? What is this? This footnotes is getting just out of control. <laughs> out of control here. How many Hail Marys Wild. are we going to have to do? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it's Mission Ridge. Everything we do is a Hail Mary. <laughs> <laughs> Just call me Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Go long. It's fine. Oh, all right. So, you know, Ted tells his father, George, Jorge. I went with Jorge that. Jorge es mi amigo. I was trying to, I was like, can I come up with some like variation on Jesus? And then, like, now nothing really. And then I I just went with George because that seemed like a good fatherly name, like mm-hmm. George Washington or George Costanza. George, <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, but cool, yeah, cool. George Costanza. No, the Malop- the Monopoly Man, George. I don't know. Uh, anyway, so he tells him he was dead, and then uh, son, when he decides to come back, this is fun. <clears throat> when the son decides that he's going to come back. Uh, to his father, he says, uh, let, me, let me pull it up here. He says, I have sinned against heaven uh, and before you. Um, he says, uh, because he realizes his father's servants are better taken. They, they even have food to save for, um, it says food to spare, which is food for savings, uh, mm-hmm. which is part of this, the shame of like when he goes off, uh, the the added shame is that he has lost all of his inheritance to the je- to the Gentiles. Uh, that apparently is part of that with the, uh, we talked about the, the corn, Kazaza. Um, it's the, the, he's lost his, status even even so he's he's dropping in the world and apparently the that shame could also be uh if you married low or something like that like you like this is it it could have applied if you just brought shame to your family in a lot of ways Hmm. correct the the midrash actually more specifically applies it to uh, marrying in in such a way that to bring a low status upon your family, but this, yeah, and and so that gets applied to a number of different ways. Yeah. So, and I thought that was really kind of fascinating. Um, and as a side, as an extra footnotey goodness here, uh, the kazaza apparently like this the shame ritual, um, because they had moved from by by that point they had. They moved on from applying the death penalty of stoning everybody to death. Um, that was apparently pretty rare, and they had found ways to not do that. Hmm. And this is a case of them not like coming up with a a different punishment that fit that that bit of the the law. I guess um, is what I've been told. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do with that. They're maybe they're not so. Uh, I don't know. 
We're, they're they're a little a little more modern than than we we give them credit sometimes. Mm-hmm. Not just the crazy Old Testament loving, you know, like oh that's biblical, right? You know, um, that maybe by Jesus's time they had uh, taken the law and found ways to apply it in a more modern, humane manner without losing the heart of it. Because that that's the they they would keep the heart of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but nevertheless, you can wrestle with that one if you want. Uh, so well, we get to we get to the kid uh, who's repenting. Question mark. Uh, <clears throat> he says, "I'm starving to death. Uh, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you.'" Uh, or the ESV says, "I have sinned against heaven and before you." Uh, now this is the same phrase, the same phrasing that we get in the story of Moses and Pharaoh in the Exodus. When Moses is coming down and there's all these plagues raining down on Pharaoh's head Mm -hmm. and everybody is screaming at Pharaoh like, ah, do something, right? And finally Pharaoh gets to this place. He's finally, like, like, his bullheadedness runs out and he's finally to the place where he says... You know, take these things away. I've sinned against heaven and before you, to Moses. Really repentant, right? Because then the next thing that Pharaoh does in the story is as soon as he does, as soon as he has another option, really, that's his only option at this point. Right. Like he has, he has gotten to the point where he has, he has no other, there is no other route. He has hit rock bottom, kind of. And, he says this, but then as soon as he has another option, so the plagues are gone, the Israelites are, the Hebrews are all running off. Mm-hmm. They're not Israelites yet. Israel doesn't exist. They're Hebrews. Uh, they're they're gallivanting away with all of their wealth and riches that they have gotten. Um, and he says, yeah, maybe not. And so he immediately gives chase. Not really all that repentant. I don't think we would say that Pharaoh was repentant. Uh, and if he, if he was, it didn't stick. Right. And so that is the verbiage. That is the quote that our, our second son uses to go and apologize or go in and beg to be given a, a position as a, as a hired hand in his father's household. Um, and so this son probably either doesn't know his text very well, or is, or, it, or he's being sly about not being all that repentant. I, I don't know. You, that might be reading into it too much. But well, we're the not listeners, talking about a story that took place. We're talking about talking about a, a we're parable. talking about a rabbi telling a parable mm-hmm. with a yeah with with one of the with a quote of one. The most famous lines. Yep. Right. Famous line from the most famous, probably the most famous story. Like, this is the birth of the nation story. Yep. This is equivalent to the redcoats are coming, the redcoats are coming. Mm Mm-hmm. And you you quote Paul Revere. One if if by land, two if by sea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everybody everybody knows what you're talking about. Yeah. Or at least everybody that's read a history book. 
I don't know how many kids these days actually know that. Oh, well, start a synagogue system. A, a rabbi talking to an educated group. Yeah, all the all the Pharisees. Yeah, this is every right. single Pharisee is going to pick up that reference. Yeah, they're going to know exactly. This is not lost upon the religious leaders that are standing. And I imagine him. they're all sitting there saying, "Oh, yeah, he's really not repentant. He's just going home because he has no better option." Oh man, Kazaza time. Because mm-hmm. they don't know what's coming. Right. Kazaza time, baby. Ha. Yeah. We're throwing some burnt seed at his feet. <sighs> yeah. It's time to smash some pots, baby. <laughs> They're getting excited because what, that's what happens to Pharaoh. Like, right. God gives them what's for, right? Okay. But then what happens? The father immolates another peril. Uh-huh. And another patriarch. Two. Two. Ki- two. Kind of. Yeah. He goes running, which, think of, what's the story where running's involved, Jen? The one I think of is when Abraham runs to the... Bingo. Yep. It's patriarch running. Shouldn't mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, crazy. Crazy. Yep. Which is a story about generosity. Right. Okay. Uh, so we might be seeing something generous about to occur. And then another one where a patriarch goes out running down the road to meet somebody and greets them in a manner in which they're not expecting to be greeted. And hugs them. Jacob and Esau. Bingo. There's a couple of remezes right there. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> right? And every single Pharisee is going to get that reference, too. They're going to pick that up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then, yep. as you were saying, Rob... He behaves like, like another pharaoh, pharaoh that elevates Joseph mm-hmm. that to is sonhood. In, uh, Genesis, is that 41? Uh, I, think, I think it's 41. There's a lot of 41 here. That's he interprets the dream, and he rises to power. Uh, might be before that. Uh, no, it's got to be after that. Yeah, it's it's right around that time. So it's okay. somewhere around Genesis forty-one. But Pharaoh takes a robe, puts the robe on him, puts a ring on his finger. This is, and that's replacing in the story of Joseph. It's replacing that coat of many colors that he had lost, right? He's mm-hmm. Pharaoh is trying to adopt Joseph in and take him as his own son. And that's the tension of Joseph is are you going to where 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 is your light where is your allegiance going to lie eventually? Is this going to be here? Yeah. What do you do with yep. what do you do with that family that hurt you? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. Oh man, more more connections maybe. Yikes. What are you going to do with the family that hurt you and the brothers that messed things up? So I got a theory. Oh? As we're, list, as we're talking through this, I, I got a theory that uh, we are way more comfortable with the gospel at the macro level mm. than at the micro level. Mm. Okay. So... Tell me more. 
So the we we said the parable one, parable part A, the lost sheep, right? Jesus going out after the after the one. Mm-hmm. We're good with him going after the one and bringing the the one back. Sure, they, they went astray. Brought back into the fold. Absolutely. You know, who's who's really who's the offended? Like we're okay with God forgiving people of the macro level offenses that are against God. Mm-hmm. Yep. But at the micro level, when I have to when I have to forgive that micro level. You know, like I'm the one who gets to partner with with God in, in inviting the brother back in. Sure, this is like what I was saying uh, with the great. Like it's it's really easy to say that until I have to apply it to my own relationships. Right. Yeah. And then that that sort of grace. Oh, I don't know if I like that anymore. Yeah, that's harder. That becomes real difficult, real gritty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you've sinned against other people and you've repented, mm-hmm. oh, I can forgive that. When you sin against my wife, against my mom, against me, yeah, you know, and and for some of us, I think it's we're we're it's easier for us to forgive offenses committed against us versus someone that we really care about. Sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's why I really wanted this story to be really really be about from the the older son's perspective, um, which I thought you did a great job of of sharing. This was, I know that this this was at times this was gut wrenching to be able to talk through this. I don't know what you're talking about. It was a great sermon. It was super easy. Yeah, love this story. Um, really easy to hold out at arm's length and not feel anything on this one. Hang on, I gotta wipe the sarcasm out of my beard. <laughs> I don't think that's sarcasm. I think that's straight up lie. <laughs> oh, I almost got him to spit, you guys. <laughs> sure. Okay, we'll go with that. You know, mm-hmm. watching conflict within family. I mean, just the fact. Forget forget about the fact that the that the estate was divided up. Just the fact that someone said, "Oh yeah," to someone else in your family, "I wish you were dead." Yeah, mm-hmm. like uh, yeah, regardless of the monetary, like whatever, like that sort of offense. And some people wouldn't even care about the monetary piece, but the but the saying to to the father, the the disrespect to say. I am not going to be under your authority anymore. Mm-hmm. That would be enough to to wreck them or to wreck their world. Oh yeah, this is happening within my. I have to watch this my family unravel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 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 we have people like we are experiencing this. No, I, I actually, yeah, I I a hundred percent. I have a I I have a pretty strong sense of loyalty. Mm. Slash, the, there is a, a, a I, there is a, a strong sense of honor, I guess. Yeah, that I, I have a, a a moral honor code, I guess, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah, and so when you, when you say that, like, 
No, that's that's some of the like a lot of times what you do is easier to forgive necessarily than that sort of that sort of slight that sort of offense can be. Mm. Yeah, a, a parent watching their <clears throat> daughter's husband, their son-in-law, right? Mm. Watching their daughter's husband cheat on them, choose someone else. Sure, you know, have an affair. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is gut wrenching, and 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 then and then if the if the daughter chooses to invite the husband back in, what kind of challenges does that present for for mom or dad mm-hmm. relationally? Sure, like Christy and I would always be really. We were very careful about what we shared with our with our parents about our spouse. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes you just got you got to share it, right? You yeah. have to say it, but sure. uh, and you and you have to have a place to say hard things when hard things are going on. But we were just we were really careful about what I was. I almost never told my parents what I was what I was going through, you know, in in my relationship with my wife because I because I would get over it and my parents wouldn't would necessarily not. have that option to get over it. Mm-hmm. Like you know, they're they're not hearing they're whether not, or not Yeah, they are not an unbiased party. They're right. not they're not able to tell if there's real repentance or not. Like they're not close enough, you know, and so you Sure. Um, watching conflicts sometimes can be way more challenging than actually being mm-hmm. in the conflict yourself. Yeah. Yep. And forgiving when you're not actually within the conflict can really be challenging. Yeah. And uh, in, in this particular story, there's enough clues that G- Jesus is saying this is really about the inheritance, and this is really about uh, the cost. There's a cost that the the older brother has to choose to bear. Which is the same as what the father is choosing to bear. Yeah. the son And the older son is being called to be like the father. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's where your implication that, that uh, the God cares about what is going on the, the mm-hmm. conflict that's going on within your family and he has a he already he has a solution in mind mm-hmm. yeah are you going to choose to partner with him or not that's the question yep right muy bueno and i and i like the just some of the things that you were wrestling through kind of identifies that this is complex that that this simple story does not make a does not we we gotta be careful about applying this this story too simply to a complex situation. Yeah, it's and, not it's not a in, simple quick fix in, in flesh and blood. No, you know the um, and the whole conversation of what forgiveness is versus is not like mm-hmm. you know um, we are not going to put someone in position to harm somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is we. 
you know, when someone proves to be untrustworthy, they have to earn trust before they are afforded trust. That's that's a reality. And once you lose trust, the path to regaining trust is is at least twice as long. It takes twice as long to build bridges you've burned. Yep. Yeah. It's a little Tyler Childers right there. Mm. Anyway. That was tasty. That's a very good line. The yeah. boy writes a good song. Yep. Shoot dang. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll about do it for this episode of Footnotes. If uh, This is probably like a two-run sort of footnote for, for Mike. So, Mike, keep running. You're you doing do great. It. Run, Michael, run. You're doing great. Uh, and for the rest of y'all, we'll uh, catch you back here. What are we talking about this week? We got Mary and Martha? Yeah. All right. Well, that's almost as cool as Bill and Ted. It's fine. <laughs> Definitely can't be Wayne and Garth. No, not Wayne and Garth. One of these days, we'll, we'll come across to Wayne and a Garth. Excellent. Party on. All right. Till next time. Peace. Bye. You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed and that you'll join us again next week for more footnotes.